You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Let's have a look at the markets through the eyes of Joanne Bainham from Sterling Private Wealth in Cape Town. Markets surged. Let's talk short term, first of all, Joanne. The markets mm-hmm. have surged today. Was it the China story, the China stimulus, the responsible, in many people's eyes, approach to the economy and uh, so-called bubbles in China that has caused this takeoff today? You know, Lindsay, at the moment, I have absolutely no idea why markets go up or down on a daily basis, because... When I look at markets, they make me incredibly uncomfortable. Mm. I think there's so much that we're not even seeing at the moment. And there's a guy, if anyone's on Twitter on your program, you've got to listen to the guy called this. I'd love you to interview him one day, but that's another issue. What's his name? Called Sven, Sven Henrik. Sven he, he's, Henrik. Um, I'm writing it down. Go yeah, he's, he's, he's quite brilliant. To be fair, he's been wrong on markets for ages because he's always bearish. But, but he makes some incredibly interesting points. And to your point about, you know, markets are up today, they're down tomorrow. While the markets might be doing that, stocks aren't. And I know that sounds somewhat ridiculous, but he Yeah, I don't understand a, that. A, well, you, 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 no, you're, you're speaking in tongues here. What's going on? <laughs> okay. So what he's saying, and I can't speak for South Africa on this one, but more a global story. Markets, there's a bull market in indices, but a bear market in stocks. So if you look at the NASDAQ at the moment, there's some fascinating stats. I mean, a lot of people listening to this call might not be aware of the fact that almost a third of the stocks in the NASDAQ are down 50% from their highs. You've got 65% of stocks in the NASDAQ are actually, let me quote you the number here, 65% of the NASDAQ is currently in a bear market and you know, and 50% down, 50% from their highs, and yet the NASDAQ keeps moving higher. So what we're seeing right now is that a small number of stocks that are very large in value are pushing up indices, but it's not filtering to the broader markets. So if you look at sort of small and mid-cap shares, they have been, they've been terrible lately. Uh, and if you look at companies that aren't making profits, it's been absolutely horrific. If you look at the S&P 500 and you exclude like the favorite stocks, so where the hedge funds like to play and where the active managers like to play, it's been terrible. So, yes, indices are going up, but what's the underlying stocks doing? And in an offshore perspective, again, not about the JSE, in an offshore perspective, it's not pretty. So you could argue, mm-hmm. fantastic if you're an active manager, lots of stock-picking opportunities. I would argue that markets are a lot more bearish than we know that, than we're aware of. Okay, and is this one of the views from the the chap, the the aforementioned chap, uh, Sven Henrik? Does he put that forward as well? Well, I think a lot of people are at the moment. A lot of people are commenting that market internals are very weak. So if you look at the number of stocks trading above their 200-day moving average, the number of stocks trading above their 50-day moving average, it's incredibly low. Again, it's markets dominated by these very large mega cap companies. And John Ethers, who I'm sure you know very well, who writes for Bloomberg Daily, mm. he said that it's ironically enough, people can't find a low risk asset to buy anymore because US treasuries make absolutely no sense. So they're buying these large cap stocks as a low risk portfolio hedge. And look what's happening. You know, I put a tweet out on Twitter about two weeks ago saying, please could someone help me create a low risk portfolio for client and capital preservation mode? And almost to a man and a woman, people came back with, you've got to buy equities. When were equities something for low-risk clients? If you are very worried about losing money, people have forgotten that equities also go down. And so to my point, people are buying these large-cap companies today because they have no idea where to put their money. And you're creating a bubble in these so-called low-risk assets. 
Okay, well, there's uh, something to think about there. I mean, I know that the if you're a really big client with a really big firm, whether it be, you know, one of the, the Wall Street investment banks, you could say, well, I just heard from this clever woman, Joanne Bainham, that there's a there, there's <laughs> there's been a polarization of performance in the United States of America and elsewhere. So please, can you take out the top performing stocks in the Nasdaq, put them aside, and create uh, my own personal ETF? And I want all the rubbish as well, not the rubbish, the rats and mice that are underperforming and uh, play one against the other if you're sophisticated enough. I know that an exchange can't do that because it's too short term and it's too much construction and, and everything else, too much admin. But I'm sure that the financial engineers have already done that, Joanne. Look, very possibly they've done that. And you're looking for a long, short fund where you're going short the stuff that's done well and go long the stuff that's done badly. Right. And it's a very clever concept. But, but I'm more arguing that when people think we're still in a bull market, I think beneath the surface, things are very different. And I think markets are currently quite concerned about the change in Fed rhetoric. So I think it was last week where Jay Powell came out and said, we're dropping the word transitory, mm. and we're planning to do our tapering at a much faster pace than the market is currently anticipating. I mean, if you look at um, interest rate futures now, a number of people are still predicting that they'll start hiking rates, I think, is it March or May of next year, sooner than the market was currently anticipating. So whilst everyone goes, oh, market doesn't care about what the Fed policy is, I'm saying to you, a number of stocks do. And it's, and the only thing holding markets up at the moment are these mega cap companies. And if you think back to 2000, we saw a lot of the inverted commas rubbish fall long before the markets fell. Is that what we're currently seeing today? I'm not sure. But there's certainly it's giving an indication that something's not right with the stock markets. And I think, you know, again, back to client portfolios, you know, you could run a long, short portfolio in that strategy, but, you know, it could be months and you could be taken out. Our, our attitude is cash is not a terrible place to be for long-term investors right now and just bide your time because markets aren't cheap on some of these bigger cap stocks. They're cheaper below the surface, but I think it's what I don't, let's put it a different way. I don't think the small caps will rally before the large caps fall, if that makes any sense. So I think you've still got some time. I don't think you have to rush in and to buy all these small cap companies yet. I thought the Russell 2000, which is the small cap index in the United States, had been doing rather well. I mean, I know its moves are exaggerated. When the market goes up, it goes shooting up. When the market comes down, it falls in the heap. But uh, have I missed the last couple of weeks or something? Has it started to underperform? If you've looked at it relative to other markets, it's underperformed lately. So I can't speak for year-to-date numbers, but lately you're starting to see a lot of the smaller companies are underperforming. So that's very much happened in the last, say, two to three months. We're starting to see the disconnect between the two. If you strip out Amazon, Netflix, all these very large cap companies, underneath the surface, it doesn't look good. And it's very interesting when I say to you that a number of companies in the NASDAQ are down 50% of their highs. That, that's, that's a large number. Have you looked at things like Zoom and what's a cycling one, Peloton, and all these sort of work-from-home type stocks. <laughs> yeah. they've, they've had it. They've been some shocking numbers there. As in, doesn't mean their earnings have been bad. The markets have just been selling them. Well, they went up too much during the protracted lockdowns when lockdown became a reality. And then when people realised that they've got some uh, home gym equipment that's gathering dust in the corner because it was just <laughs> a novelty and they wanted to get away from the kids in their own little room. Yeah, but it, it, it was just, it's just a novelty. It's like joining a gym. It's the same thing. It's no, all, no, it's all I'm, great I'm not arguing about with. that. But, but, but yeah. remember, the digital world had been brought forward. We were never going to go to the shops anymore. Everything was about e-commerce. And yes, it moved too far away from the reality. But, but we are moving towards the digital world. People will continue to use Zoom 
even when the world returns to normal. So I'm not saying that um, I'd agree with you, these things got too far ahead of themselves, but there's been incredible falls in some of these companies and they're not terrible companies, all of them. Not, they're not all Peloton, let's put it that way. Some of them are actually companies that will be around in five years' time. Well, let's hope so. What about South Africa? Um, looking at that, I mean, here we are today. I'm looking at the All Share. And again, this is a very short term statement. The uh, All Share Index and the All Share Top 40 Index, both up over 2%. A share like process because of what's happened in the Far East in, in China uh, this morning, uh, boosting the uh, the Hang Seng, uh, up over 5% last time I, I, I looked. It just seems that... Uh, yeah, the dips are being bought rather than the rallies being sold, or there's a, there's a compression. Well, I, I don't know about that, Lindsay. Mm. Go look at the Hang Seng Index. It looks pretty awful. Yes. Uh, and, you know, they, they, we do get sort of like ted, dead cat bounces. And even the ARC funds in the US were going up last night, having been absolutely awful all year. You know, I think what you see in markets, they fall, and then everyone goes, gosh, this is a great buying opportunity. Let's get involved. Let's buy the dip. And I'm just saying to you, is there's been proper damage on some of these stocks. So, yes, you can go in and look at things like process. And will, it, will a reserve requirement they've cut in China make all the difference to the world? Look, it's much sooner than markets were predicting. Markets were only expecting it to happen in June of 2022, that they would open up liquidity in China. So this is earlier than they think. The cynic in me says, is that because it's really bad? Is that why they're doing liquidity? Like, what's actually happening? Um I think markets are far too complacent about central bank liquidity right now, particularly from the Fed. The, the markets are pricing in four rate hikes next year. You know, and inflation is not going away. So some people say, well, you know, don't worry about supply chains. It'll all be out in the wash by 2022. But the Fed is starting to notice that wage inflation is starting to pick up. They're starting to worry about the lack of people there for the jobs. You know, what, what when it becomes structural in nature is when you're starting proper wage increases. We're not there yet, but they're starting to worry about it. I mean, we're supposed to get an inflation print, I think, on Friday of 7%. If, I mean, again, that might be the worst of the inflation number prints we see. But I think they're starting to realize it's not going back to 2% in a hurry. It might be sitting around 3 to 4 for longer than they thought. Uh, and then suddenly, when you've got 10-year treasuries on last look, trading at 1.5, you, you've got a problem in stock markets. <laughs> you've got a problem in global capital. So I'm not saying I'm out and out bear. I'm not saying that. I'm saying is, I think if you look at the markets, they are starting to price in more difficult days ahead. So yes, 10 cent can bounce this morning. And yes, Nuspass can bounce this morning. But in a world where things have fallen a lot, I'd be a bit cautious right now. The markets are jittery. Yes, they are. And I'm just looking at a couple of stories here. There's a, a, a chap from Texas who um, has renovated a villa in Italy. And I don't know where it is because I haven't read the whole story. But the, the asking price is 533 million US dollars. That's for a house. Me? For a house. <laughs> That's just mind-boggling. Yeah, and what's it called? Uh, Patek Philippe partnering with Tiffany & Co to bring out a limited edition of 170 watches. And I'm scrolling down the... Um, I'm scrolling down the article here to see how much... Oh, it's $2.6 million, yeah, for a watch. For a watch. Well, Aina, I, I, I'm sure some of your listeners listen to the Netflix program Selling Sunset, which is a program on estate agents in the US who sell these very high high, high net worth market houses. I, I cannot get over the price of some of these houses. <laughs> it's just mind boggling. Uh, but that's what happens when you have interest rates at incredibly low levels for a long time. It pushes asset prices up incredibly high. The problem with the Fed now is all these asset prices starting to filter into the real economy? So one of the one of the connections is 
if house prices keep going up, at some point you're going to have proper rental, in- rental inflation in the States, which is a large part of the inflation basket. If they don't control interest rates and control demand, that inflation story can be a lot stickier for a lot longer. And I think the Fed is concerned about it. The markets right now don't seem to care. I mean, it's just markets are going, well, there's going to be a Christmas rally. There's going to be a Christmas rally. It's going to be fine. And I go, well, we've had 10 years of plentiful liquidity. It's been taken out. And I think we've had incredible returns. Maybe it's time just, you know, not to sell everything, but to take some profits. Mm. Uh, People shouldn't get poor taking profits. I, I think that's, I think if you look towards year end, I think to take some money off the table is not a bad idea. Okay, um, so what do we do? I get confused every morning. I normally understand if the dollar does this, then the gold price and um, the bonds do that. But it's all over the place at the moment. But it, it, they, say, they seem to be going off um, in their own direction. It's, it's, it's like a bunch, of, a bunch of headless chickens. Obviously, the chickens are not headless because people are running these chickens. But it just seems that certain well-established relationships have been broken, whether it be short-term, I don't know. But don't you find it confusing every morning when you look at your screen? Well, thankfully, we don't look at our screens every morning because I think you end up being completely schizophrenic and trying to understand one-day movements. You know, I just look at the valuations of a lot of companies and go, the valuations aren't as attractive as they were. Now, admittedly, valuations tell you nothing about timing of markets. What tells you about timing of markets is liquidity. And that's the thing I'm keeping my eye on at the moment. I'm saying the Fed is becoming tighter in monetary policy. It's really interesting. You talk to people about it, they go, oh, the Fed will never raise rates. Mm. Your pardon? No, it'll never raise rates. Never going to happen in our lifetime because there's too much debt around. But the problem is everyone has that same view. What if we're wrong? <laughs> what if the Fed has no choice but to raise rates? And what does that mean for asset classes generally? Now, of course, if you buy some sort of really cheap value companies, you're probably in a better place in your portfolio, and we are doing that for clients. But I just think people are far too complacent. You know, all they know is that markets go up. and It's just slightly worrying to me that people think it's it's easy. You know, I look on Twitter and you see people, the millennials saying, oh gosh, thank goodness I'm, I don't have a fund manager looking after me because these guys care about valuations. It's such a waste of time. <laughs> and yet that's the world we've been living in when it doesn't matter what you held, it's gone up. But very interesting in the last month or two, a lot of those high flying stocks that had no earnings are starting to fall. And I'm saying to you at the index level, you're not seeing it, but underneath the surface, People are positioning and are becoming more cautious. It's really interesting to watch. So at the top end of the index level, no, but at the underneath the surface, it's very interesting. People need to go and do their homework and look what's happening on these smaller cap, mid cap stocks with no earnings because they have had some really terrible returns. And maybe markets. I wonder what the catalyst will be. I wonder if the catalyst might be the threat of China, um, uh, not China, uh, Russia invading the Ukraine. They've already got 100, 120,000 troops on the border and lots and lots of uh, hardware as well. Trust me, you can see it from the satellite pictures. They've got an awful lot. And this is not an exercise. So they're massing their troops. It's so interesting Mm -hmm. that I read up on that today. And I mean, I don't understand that world, but Russia looks like it's quite intent on going into the Ukraine. Yeah. And... You know, what are the implications for that? So you look at it and go, well, the last time Russia went and took away, I think they took Crimea, didn't they? Isn't that what happened last time? Yes, Crimea. I don't, it they was about six Crimea. years, six, seven years ago, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. And so somebody was showing graphs of what happened last time. And the Russian stock market struggled because they were, you know, pariahs of the world. And the Russian ruble struggled. Well, no, sorry, not the stock market. The stock market did okay, but the Russian ruble struggled. Uh, and the oil price at that stage, I don't think did much. But if you ask me what the risk is, 
the risk could be that if that happens, the oil price spikes. Uh, and the oil price spike is tantamount to another interest rate hike. Yeah. So, and the world can't afford that right now. <laughs> so you've got a Fed saying, I'm worried about inflation. I want to raise rates. You have oil prices stay higher for longer because of various ESG factors and now throw in, you know, Russia invading um, Ukraine. That could be a tipping point for markets. Who knows? Could it be China going into Taiwan because they want the semiconductor knowledge? Yeah. That could be a tipping point for so markets. So you've, you've got China and Taiwan, you've got Russia and the Ukraine and NATO getting involved because the United States won't stand for it and nor will its partners. And also you've got the threat of interest rates rising because as I look at my screen now, Brent crude oil is $75.06 per barrel, up 2.7%. It was below $70 four days ago, four or five trading days ago. It's, 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 it's going up again. Anyway, you've given me so much to think about. Does this... Ch- <laughs> But do you want to do you, do you want to close on an optimistic or pessimistic note or a reasonable note? Oh no, no, no. here's the optimistic note, right? Go on, no. In the long run, you want to be in equities. That's the optimistic note. Mm. I'm saying it portfolios have done very well this year. Risks are rising, and admittedly, the risk we know about are usually the risks that don't hurt us. We, we know that in markets, but let's pretend they do hurt us. And I'm saying you've made good money. Maybe time to take some profits and. You know, look at 2022 with the new with the new eyes. I, we've done well. We've had great returns. Don't sell everything, but maybe time takes some profits. And I'm not being bearish. I'm just saying is it's prudent. On that prudent note, we'll leave it. Thank you very much, Joanne. Joanne Bainham is from Sterling Private Wealth in Cape Town. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors, and do not reflect the policy position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.